this invisible frame of reference that you carry in your head. Life presents all sorts of adversity, and some adversity doesn't feel like adversity. It's sneaky. Could I um, interview you for my space gas? For my space gas? Yeah, yeah. What the hell is going on here? Uh, preamp? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Preamps are vital for audio quality from a microphone. They turn it from like here to like here. It is the stepping stone of what people need when they're recording like their... Well, I ran into a guy. Yeah. He's 21, and uh, in, in Mexican guy at the cafe. We can talk, but he does... He seems confident when he speaks English, but he actually is less confident hearing me. But uh, I'm like, okay, hey, people say that you're a great reggaeton singer. And he's like, man, I need a beat. I'm like, you're so funny. I'm a DJ. I can make you a beat. I would love to. Yeah. It would be so cool to help uh, get some music in your life or like figure this out. And... But he's like, okay, so let's write a beat. We're sitting together. I'm like, okay, all the songs you're showing me are super simple. Like the beats behind them in reggaeton. Oh, super basic. <laughs> but the, the microphone is popping, and the effects on the voice is like the major part of what's going on. So this beat sucks right now, I'm sorry, because you haven't sang yet. And it's vital that you have a preamp. If you want to do what these guys are doing, these yeah. pro guys... We have to get to that level, or this isn't going to work. Um, is what I felt through my history of producing. Really? My okay. brother taught me to. I mean, yeah, I know nothing about producing music, so I can't really speak too much on that. But, but what were you doing before? Uh, I used to be a professional gamer. <laughs> used to be. Used to be, or semi-pro. When, when do you get to identify as being semi-pro? Once you're making money from it, I'd say. Okay. Once you're making, like, a decent amount of money, like, I have played way too much video games in my life as, like, a kid, but for me, it was once you started competing with other pros and, like, you started talking with other pros and you'd start, like, practicing with other pros who were actually on professional teams, and then once you start making money... You, I'd consider you like a semi-pro, and then once you start making like good-ass money, I consider you like a pro. Or once you get onto a team, mm -hmm. uh, you're a pro. But, um, <laughs> thanks for being on the podcast. Of course. So mics are on. When did you start making money playing video games? Like when I was like 13. Like what were you playing? Counter-Strike Global Offensive. Okay. If you know anything about it, there was, like, an in-game economy with skins. So, like, you'd have a weapon skin that just changed how your weapon looked. But they were super rare, and you could trade them for real money. So some of these skins are going for, like, millions of... Or not millions, but, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like, the super rare one-of-ones. Mm -hmm. And basically what I would do was I would 1v1 people, uh, and the winner gets skins... Yeah. So it was just wagering, and I started with that. My mechanics were mechanics are basically when you're just very like I don't know how to describe it. Like, say throwing a football, it's not actually your intelligence of like it. It's like how well you can place the football in like someone's hand. Probably 
making not much sense there, but... <laughs> okay, so you're trying to explain the intelligence? No, no, the exact opposite. So, like, just, like, your pure skill without your intelligence. Because in video games, it's like sports, where, like, you have to have strategy to it, mm -hmm. but then you also have to be good, like, at dribbling, if it's, like, soccer. So I was really good at, like, aiming, for example. Mm -hmm. Whereas other people might be really good at just knowing what to do in the game and having a really good game sense. So I started out with 1v1s wagering, and I made a bunch of money doing that. But then because these skins were worth real money, I started betting them as, like, a 13-year-old. Yes. You know, yeah. it's fun to gamble online. And I lost them all. Aw. <laughs> yeah. So how much worth of skins do you think you had? Over, like, 20,000. <laughs> you must. Okay. Yeah. That's like more money than I've ever had. Being a pretty broke dude myself, not accumulating a lot. At 13 years old? Yeah. 13 to 14. Gambled them all away. Learned my lesson. Don't touch gambling anymore. Mm. We'll never do it because for me, I'm either like all in something completely or not in something at all. Like for me, I was playing that video game probably like 8 to 12 hours a day after school. <laughs> and that's all I would do. Mm-hmm. Gave me the drive to get really good, but I mean, it's a video game, so. It's a wild phase that our parents let us do. Oh, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from the moment, I'm like running, I'm moving fast from school to yeah. get to the computer to play World of Warcraft. Literally. Just yeah. to get on that world, to be on it until they call me for dinner, eat dinner, go back up to play till they catch me at one in the morning. <laughs> or 12 or something or like I get too tired oh, to yeah. fall asleep. I'm not even proactively thinking about how I have to get up. Getting up sucks because I don't want to go to school because that life is worse than World of Warcraft. Exactly. That was my life for video games. Like It wasn't that I was bad at school but like I finally found something I was actually really good at and mm. like I've been average at pretty much everything in my life. So once I found something I was really good at, I, like, focused really hard on it and, like, got really into it, but, yeah. You grew up in Victoria? Yeah. All my life. Um, oh. that's, so that's a beautiful hummingbird. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> so we're out on the rooftop in Mazatlan at the Funky Monkey Hostel, and we... I just got the chance to talk to Evan. Yeah. And... He just pulled up off a train, so you're 19 years old, and yeah. you, how did you decide to get traveling on trains, or like, how did you start your journey from Victoria, were you 18? So, I started my original travel journey, kind of a crazy story, but I actually ran away to Vietnam when I was 16. Okay. 13, pro gamer, did you lose everything at the late age of 13? So I lost all my skins then, and then I moved on to uh, another game where I played semi-professionally. I also streamed, uh, which was PUBG, and then after PUBG I moved on to Fortnite, and Fortnite I made around like 16,000 US mm. on earnings, and then uh, there was a... Holy shit. <laughs> That's not like... I was working at Tim Hortons when I was 14, or maybe I was 12. 14 I might have been at... Dairy Queen making, you know, uh, 12, no, 10, 50 yeah. an hour. I worked at Tim Hortons as well when I was 14 for like three months. 
but you have to consider the amount of time I was putting in. I was probably making around like $6 an hour, mm. which is not great compared to Tim Hortons where at that age I would have been making like 12 13 an hour. Mm. So I would have still been making more. It's just at least I was gaming instead. And a little more fun for you. Yeah, so after that, there was like a big competition for the World Cup where it had like a $100 million prize pool. And that's basically where I made all my money. World Cup of? Fortnite. Okay. Um, and like the winner of it would come out with like $3 million plus. Yep. I never qualified for it. You had to be top 100 in the world and I never qualified. I got like top 20 in my region and you had to be top one to qualify. Yes. So I, I mean, you still make money if you like get top 20, but you're not qualifying to the World Cup. Yeah. Um, so... After that uh, competition was over, I wanted to go to Vietnam because I saw a YouTuber named Ryan Purvis mm -hmm. on YouTube, and he uh, he's an American guy who flew to Vietnam. He's was like 24, 20, I think 26 at the time, and he went from the south up to the north on a motorbike. Yeah, I was like, that seems pretty cool. At 16, I think I could do that. Holy crap! And. My parents, obviously, at 16, are like, yeah, you're not going to Vietnam. So then I convinced them that I was going to go with my other friend who was 22 at the time. Mm. So I bought her... So I live on an island yeah. next to Vancouver. So I bought her a flight to Vancouver, and I bought myself a flight to Vietnam. So my parents dropped both of us off at the airport, and then she flew to Vancouver, and I flew off to Vietnam alone. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and that's pretty much where my travel started. I did stay at a hostel before when I was, uh, before that when I was just turned 16 in Chile, because I'm half Chilean, uh, and that was like my first hostel experience, and that's what got me really wanting to start traveling. But then I watched that dude on YouTube, watched him do it, so I bought a motorcycle in Vietnam, started driving it up, like, surprised I didn't die. <laughs> mm -hmm. Uh, because, like, the, I started in Ho Chi Minh, and was going up to the lat, and... Okay, hold on. Sorry. So, no, man, you're... That's crazy. Uh, yeah! I've done that, too. I drove from Ho Chi Minh up to Hanoi and then back down over three months, living in a hammock. I did it with my twin brother. We learned a lot. Sure. And did you know how to ride a motorcycle before you were in Ho Chi Minh City? No. <laughs> Okay. So, I, I didn't buy a motorbike, I bought like a semi-automatic, so you still have to switch gears, but it doesn't have a clutch. Good. Uh, Helpful. Yeah, so I started driving, I bought that for around like 200 US dollars or 300 US dollars. Yeah. And on my way to Dalat, which was around like a 12-hour drive, I think it took me over like 16 hours though, mm. my motorbike got broken down, and this was like a week into my travels. So I was, like, pushing it, trying to find a mechanic at, like, 12 at night and, like, pissing down the rain. Uh, and I finally found, like, a local family that I could, like, stay with. And, like, they fixed my bike for me and, like, let me sleep on their couch. And it was, like, Dude, an amazing experience for 16. 16 years old. 16. I was telling everyone I was 18 at the time just because it would be easier that way. But Sure. Um, that's crazy heroic. How did your uh, parents feel, like... About you tricking them? Did you trick them? I definitely tricked them. Do they know? They know. Okay. <laughs> they knew once I got to Vietnam. They were, like, when they were dropping me off at the airport, they were like, why is your bag so small? Like, 
because they were dropping off my other friend at the same time. And I was like, oh, she just packed light, you know, we're just backpacking. That is so wild. <laughs> and then once we got there, like, they went up to my friend's house and they pulled up and they could see her car was, like, moving from place to place. Um, I'm sorry, your your mom's car or your friend's car? My friend's car, but yeah. my mom would, like, come up to my friend's house to see if, like, she was in the city that I'm from. Mm-hmm. And not actually in Vietnam, and she found out that way. And she wasn't super happy. Like, I think she originally found out at, like, the airport. Like, she knew. I was like, no, she's coming with me, I swear. But then, like, halfway through, I was like, yeah, she didn't come at all. And, like, I ended up being fine. But once I got to the lat, I my motorbike got stolen. So I started busing up all the way to Vietnam started running out of money because I was spending a lot more All the way than... up to uh, Hanoi yeah. or something? Yeah. Uh, so I bust up all the way to Hoi An and from there I stayed at a hostel I really liked. So I became a party promoter at the hostel. Holy crap. Okay, for reference too, like, how did it feel when you started driving from Ho Chi Minh City? That's the first city when you got to Vietnam. And then when did you talk to your parents? Like two days later? Like, so probably a week later. So you got... How did you... So I got in a crash my first day, actually. Yeah. Okay. I would have thought something might have happened It wasn't like my fault. Okay. Some dude rear-ended me and just took off my license plate. Mm-hmm. It wasn't anything bad. License plate was necessary? No, not really. Not really. I, like, taped it on with, like, a bunch of scotch tape. Dude, and you are crazy. <laughs> this is wild. Go on. Go on. I love this. Because, like, I did this when I was 25. Yeah, I turned 25 there, and it was still very nerve-wracking. Uh, to drive out of Ho Chi Minh City, the the feeling of the wave of people at a green light that that drive. Oh, like, yeah. The stoplights are just how many motorbikes? A hundred or like 150 on each side or 200? Literally, like, and like when you're going through, you're literally playing like Animal Crossing with your life. Mm. But like for me... It kind of scared me because, like, I almost got in, like, a few crashes and, like, people were yelling at me. Horrible driver. Um, like, I yeah, didn't even you, drive a car by then. You have to not only, like, you ride a car in Canada and... Uh, I haven't... Dr- I never drove a car by then. So you're riding a car. Even if you have driving experience, what I learned is your driving experience, my driving experience was following rules yeah what they do is more naturally like what flows with physics and what flows with less friction of people not following rules directly but following how you can drive like the opposite way oh in traffic no problem but you just honk your horn constantly because that tells everyone where you are yeah when you're doing something weird you honk your horn beep 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 yeah it's literally how you talk people are doing that you're looking around you hear someone honking they're gonna do something someone honks beside you yeah so now you're <laughs> deep in it. I, why did someone rear end you? Like, that's just something I, I just stopped. Uh, There's a lot of accidents that happen. Yeah. Like, there is what, like, I like to call it controlled chaos in the streets because generally I find that, like, it's pretty safe, actually, for how insane the streets are there. And, like, if you know what I mean, like... I feel like I kind of prefer the efficiency of how people just move um physically through each other because i yeah. like being able to pull a u-turn anytime i exactly. want or like going down and i have to cut some like crazy roundabout on a highway i just go up the roundabout yeah. the wrong way to get to my destination and that is okay 
everyone is kind of vigilant for other people rather than following the rules so much that when something weird happens off the rule, you don't know what to do. Exactly. And the, in, yeah. In our Western societies, yeah. There's also a big difference between Vietnam because it's majority motorbikes there. And the rule of the road pretty much is if it's bigger than you, it's going to win. Yes. <laughs> Where in go. Canada, everything is bigger than you. Like, everyone's driving a car. There's no motorbikes, really. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's a bit different as well, but it was still a insane place to try to learn how to ride a motorbike. Mm-hmm. And then, so I, from Delat, my bike got stolen, or yeah. I lost it. So that was a 12-hour journey. Did you do that in one day? No, so uh, I did it from, like, 12 to, like, 9, and my motorcycle bro- got broken down. 12 in the afternoon to 9 at night? Yeah, and then my motorcycle got broken down, so I started pushing it. How fast do you think you were going? Like, probably, like, 50, 60K, not too fast. How big was your scooter or your motorbike? I think it was, like, maybe 150. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, not 110? Maybe 110. I'm yeah. not entirely sure. Yeah, but 110, 150 sounds right yeah it wasn't a big bike by any means like now i drive like a 600 so where canada whoa yeah cool i had i had to sell that thing as well because i was going to kill myself on that for sure yeah you uh as we're young i'm noticing like how we're just lucky to be alive doing some stupid stuff that we do where we put ourselves through like it's a great way to learn in a way like (laughs) throwing a child into the deep end or like pushing your bird out of the nest and if it like it's got to learn it's got to learn somehow exactly uh and i'm really glad that i haven't died and there's probably safer ways and adults talk about them they're like you know you should just like practice with me before you go driving on the highway exactly let's learn like do you even know instinctively like where to keep your left foot off of the brake while the right foot's on the gas you shouldn't have both there because if you freak out, you could hit the gas and brake at the same time instead of moving your right foot over from the gas over to the brake. Yeah. I'm glad you're alive. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so once I got to Hoi An, I found a party hostel I really liked. Mm-hmm. So I volunteered there uh, for like two weeks because I was also running out of money and I still had like another month left. How did you have money? Uh, from playing Fortnite. Jesus Murphy, this is so interesting. <laughs> to have money to travel, like, I, uh, I got gifted some money to go to university when yep. I was 18, right? 17, 18, so then, and, like, all my money is like, yep, yeah, okay, yeah, here you go, mom and dad, can you put me into university for my first year, and yeah. we're gonna see what happens, and so that happened. But to have money where, did you graduate? Yeah. At 16? Uh, at 17. Oh, so okay. this was during the summer. So I was on summer break. I just finished summer school so that I could get another free uh, block for the next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was right after that, and I started motorbiking across the country. Uh, got to Hoi An, was at the party hostel. Mm-hmm. Got really bad food poisoning for like half my time there, and was just deathly ill. But I was still like having to be like, yeah, come on, guys, drink and whatnot, uh, and bringing everyone to the club and whatnot. This was. Before the pandemic, I guess. This was before the pandemic. Yeah, this was three years ago. Oh, almost four years ago now. Damn. Yeah, sixteen and, to nineteen. Yeah. Or uh, 15, sixteen to. Sixteen or seventeen, yeah. in June-ish. Three years. Yeah. Uh, how long were you in Hoi An? I was in Hoi An for like two to three weeks. 
at that party hostel. Deathly food poisoning. Deathly food poisoning. Um, like, felt like I was gonna die, but I was still having to do, like, my job, obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then from there, I actually got gifted a motorcycle. Some dude was, like, trying to offload his motorcycle because he didn't want it anymore, and I was good friends with him. And he was like, 50 bucks, man. I was like, no, man, I don't need a motorbike. I've had enough already. Mm. Um, and then he's like, he was like, all right, I'm just getting on the bus. You can just have the motorbike. So huh. I, yeah, so in Hoi An, I just got around on that motorbike. And then once I was done, I just pulled up to like a random family's house. And I just gave them like the blue slip, I think it's called in Vietnam. Sure. And I just gave them the motorbike. And I don't think they really knew what was happening, but they ended up with a free motorbike. And I got to use it for a bit. So I just got to pass it on yes and then from there i was that a manual motorcycle yeah that one was manual so i had to learn manual after okay do um, you think you picked that up fast yeah it was fairly easy okay i found cool <laughs> because i started on like a semi-manual so sure learned on that semi-manual moved up to the manual and that was a honda win is yeah. it yeah 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 like a fake one, obviously, because they're all fake there. They're all made in China. Yeah. Yeah. So then I went all the way up to uh, Ho Chi or, uh, Hoi An? Hanoi. Han Hanoi. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's it. I believe. Yeah. Uh, I went up to Hanoi. Saigon uh, is Ho Chi Minh City. Yeah. Yeah, and then Hanoi. I liked Hanoi more than Ho Chi Minh City. Just yeah, me too. Something. And then from there, I met some blokes, two British guys. Blokes. I've been living with British people for like, I haven't lived with any Canadians for over two years because I've been living in Whistler and Banff. Mm -hmm. So it's no Canadians there, just uh, British, Australian, maybe a few Canadians. Mm -hmm. So you might hear some British come out or some Australian come out. That's all right. But uh, once I was there, I met two guys, two British guys, and I went up to the very north to the loop what's the loop called again i forget but i know the one you're talking about it goes through a bunch of rice patties yeah and it's very beautiful they were trying to stop people from going there because people were dying they were taking bad motorcycles tourists yeah and uh getting themselves killed yeah because the roads are tight etc so did you do that loop yeah so i started doing that loop and with your motorcycle? With, I rented a bike because I gave away the other bike in yep. Hoyan. Okay. Uh, and then like two days into it, I crashed and like I, I hurt my wrist and then my other friend also crashed, but my bike was fine. His bike was totaled, mm. but like he was okay. Mm -hmm. So then uh, he took my bike uh, and I went back down on like a bus for like a day uh, with a motorbike strapped on top of the bus that was completely busted. Mm. Um, and then, like, I have, like, scars on the side of my face everywhere. You look good now, no problems. Yeah, not too much. <laughs> yeah, I don't see anything, actually, which is great. Yeah, uh, so I got a pretty bad concussion there as well. Okay. Uh, and then, so I made my way back down to, uh, uh <laughs> not Huayan, uh, what's the uh, top city? <laughs> Hanoi. Hanoi. So I went back, uh, down to Hanoi and spent the rest of my time there. Mm -hmm. And how much time in total is this? I spent like two and a half months there. Okay, so you had a three-month visa. Yeah. When I was there, there was a one month and a three-month. Yeah, yeah, I had the three-month visa. Cool. And then there, I was like partying and 
<laughs> I was doing a bunch of balloons. Yeah, okay. Which are like nitrous oxide or what it's, whatever yes. you want to call them. And I was like standing around and like I oh. was doing a bunch and I passed out and I fell like face first right onto like a stair. So you can actually see there's like a cut and I got like another concussion within like a week of having like a motorcycle accident. How were the concussions? Do you remember or like how did I remember it wasn't horrible. How do you identify the concussion? It was like a mid-tier. Like, I've had concussions where I was like out for like a month or two, but... What does that mean, out for a month or two? Like, I couldn't look at screens, I had headaches, Ow. I was like nauseous. Ow. Yeah, that was from getting hit in the back of the head with a boom, though, on like a sailboat. Ow. <laughs> yeah, that was when I was like, what, 14? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I'm very accident prone, I do a lot of stupid stuff, but that was pretty much the end of my trip. And then after that, there... On my last night, uh, I went out clubbing because I was like, hey, it's my last night. Um, in Hanoi. Hanoi, yeah. Uh, so it was my last night there before I flew back to Canada. Uh, I was clubbing and there was this DJ like, do you know Dylan Francis? I sure do. I met Dylan Francis at a club. All right. Uh, Dylan Francis was in the club or was he, he was, DJing? He was DJing the club. What the hell? That's awesome. <laughs> when I was there. So That's I was amazing. Like, I was like, man, I met Dylan Francis. I was like going hard as hell. It was like 3 a.m. My flight was at like 8 a.m. I think. So I set like an alarm on my phone. Went back to the hostel, my phone ended up dying, and like I missed my flight, and I did like do the call of shame to my dad, and I was like, Dad, can you buy me a flight? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I got another flight. He wasn't too happy about it, but I still paid him back, so. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think your parents would be, just based on what other 16-year-olds do at their time, yeah. um, they'd be worried. They were worried. And, like, naturally in them, they can't fully stop you because you seem to be pretty bright and fast to go do something like that so then to get you they would have to get over their fears which make them extra scared yeah. as well for you to go get you um so that that's not happening you can't be controlled uh at least you're not like uh buried in um, crack yeah on a street or something exactly and getting in gangs and fighting people I think that's a little bit cooler, uh, being out in Vietnam. I think so, too. So they'd probably be happy to spot you, to just see you. Yeah, yeah, they were just happy I was back at home. Hold you tight, and so you don't like, go anywhere. Yeah, and, like, high school was starting again for my year 12. Oh, my goodness. So, like, they were like, Evan, you need to get back, like, as soon as fucking possible. Am I allowed to swear? Yeah, man. <laughs> okay. Yeah, they were like... <laughs> <laughs> they were like, you need to get back, so that's where, like, it all started. Um, and that's then... That's where it all started, the traveling. That's where all my traveling started. I love it. And that's... I never... Sorry to interrupt you, but... No, I never, no. never freaking did anything that crazy at that age. Yeah, and, like, I think they were happy because I was staying out of trouble in Victoria. It's not like I was, like, doing drugs or anything, but I have a tendency to, like, to go to abandoned places and climb high stuff. Mm-hmm. So whether that's, like, climbing on top of buildings or cranes, I was arrested twice in Victoria, True. in Vancouver, and I had to get, like, friends to come, like, bail me out, like, the next morning for trespassing. Gotcha. You, do you get pictures when you do that? Yeah. Yeah. I have a couple photos. Do you think, uh... I can send them. Do you cool. think we do that? Do you think we do stuff because of pictures? Do you think we do things because we... Because that is 
freaky. That is kind of bold, challenging, yeah. uh, adventurous. And then when we get a picture of doing that kind of stuff, well, it is actually the, the truth of it is it is adventurous. It is bold yeah. and stuff. Do you think it's a drive to why you do what you do? I don't think it is for me personally for like, cause I never posted my photos of like me climbing cranes or doing stupid stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Well, I know some people like that, like do it all for like the cloud of it. And like, for me, like I have really bad ADHD. So my mind's always like in like 20 different places. Mm. And like the only time I really felt like I was like really in the moment was like when I was like climbing up some shit or like when I was hiding from security when like all my attention had to be focused otherwise I was either going to get arrested or I was going to die falling off mm-hmm. and like your parents know about that? partially <laughs> they knew I got arrested once but <laughs> I don't nice. think they know the second time yeah they just want to guide you with what they think is right and like you oh, know yeah. what's best for you uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Okay, so we get raised, and our parents try to teach us what they know is best. Yeah. And then from, like, 20 to 30, maybe even into 35, hopefully, when you're away from your parents, you rethink yeah. how you were taught, and you are by yourself, and you're like, do I actually follow those values? Yeah. And do I want to keep doing that? Think. And then we become a mix of our parents' growth and who we've become and what we want to be. Yeah. Um, so... Maybe later, for sure, later, you start to get to know what's better f or best for you, following your heart yeah, and, like, sure. what you want to do. Um, yeah, so I understand maybe not wanting to tell uh, even anyone uh, some things because yeah. then it gets a little annoying. Or, like, someone who you know is prone to be annoying about me climbing cranes. <laughs> doesn't exactly. matter. Maybe it's a girlfriend. Maybe it's a, a buddy friend. I don't... I may hesitate to bring that up with him compared to another buddy who's like, hey, man, I want to hear all about those, and I support you in doing what you're doing. I would talk more to them. Exactly. like About my crane climbing. Yeah. And maybe show them the pictures. <laughs> you always like to be in your own echo chamber, I feel like, for a lot of people. and hmm. Like, now I don't really care. I haven't climbed a crane in, like, over a year now because turned 18, and I'm not trying to get a criminal record because I want to go to Japan. And Cool. Yeah, but... <laughs> so you got back from Vietnam, you're in grade... 12. 12, and do you think you're, I don't know, smart? Do you think you... Yeah, so... Did I, you do well in school? I, I was doing really well to? in some school. Like, I graduated with, like, uh, I think it was, like, an 89% average, Great. which was really good. Mm -hmm. uh, can get in most schools, not all, because I want to go to computer science in the future. Sure which super hard in Canada. Like, for some schools, you literally need, like, a 95% plus mm. average. Yeah. Um, so I think I did well in school, and, like, I think I got a lot of, like, my drive to go, like, do some, like, crazy stuff out of me for, like, at least a year or so. Um, and so I did school. I did it mostly online by then. Was the pandy around? No, not yet. Not yet. In grade 12. In grade 12, it wasn't. Uh, and then once I finished school, I finished in, like, September or so, uh, I moved out to, like, the biggest ski town in North America called Whistler. Yeah. Um, and there, like, I just fell in the loop of, like, partying every day. Never ended up skiing, which was... Oh, shit. 
Yeah, I, I think I got seven days on the mountain, and huh. then... Which not a lot. Not a lot. No. Uh, so I moved out there when I was, like, in December or so. Uh, and then after that, uh, COVID hit in, like, February, so I moved back to Canada, literally did nothing for, like, a year because you couldn't really do anything because fucking COVID. What uh, does nothing look like for you? Nothing was more like me sitting on the computer playing games. I was still streaming, making some money. Yeah. But, like, it wasn't what I wanted to be doing. I wanted to be either working at a ski hill skiing every day, which even when I was in Whistler, I wasn't, fell into partying every day like an mm -hmm. idiot. Um, ah, or traveling. It's kind of exciting. It's exciting. Partying, being social. I have done a lot of it. And I think, like, to say you did a low amount of skiing, yeah. it was hard to want to do physical stuff. I've only gotten into it in the last, like, two years. Yeah. Doing running or, like, exercises as opposed to focusing on drinking beer and staying up late with yeah. people. Finding the best creative party in a place. Um, so I don't think it's... At that at your age, I don't, I don't. At that age, it's fun. And it was Whistler's fun. crazy. You just you're probably discovering a lot of clubs. You're probably discovering interacting with people from other places. Yeah. And those people have a lot of excitement. Exactly. When, when people like, come from another place, yeah, they're fucking happy to be there. Yeah, like Whistler, it's like only Australians. <laughs> they called me a unicorn there because I was from British Columbia. Yeah. And, like, so, like, all, like, the Australians are absolutely crazy. They've all just came out of high school as well. I was only 17 at the time, so I wasn't even supposed to get into clubs. Yeah. So I bought a fake ID online on, like, the dark internet. Sick. And was, like, going to clubs there, having the time of my life while, like, the rest of my friends are still finishing school. You're growing up fast, man. You yeah. were growing up fast, getting out of, uh, I don't know, getting into very high adrenaline or very high stress situations yeah also high bliss through partying yeah like <laughs> and then after i after i went back home streamed for a bit and then i moved out to banff for a year after how long when the pandemic started so the i'm like the pandemic started in like february march-ish and that's yeah, march 15th uh, Monday was when I got finished work, or like yeah. they told me not to come yeah, in, yeah. and I feel like that was pretty widespread across BC or even Canada. Yeah, that was like the same. That Monday. Yeah, so it would have been March 15th then. I moved back to Victoria, um, stayed there until like October 15th ish. March, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Over the summer. Yeah, yeah. over the summer. You getting out? Yeah, so I bought a bike, actually. I bought a motorbike there. Okay. Uh, a dual sport, a DRZ 400, if you know it. So you got your L. Yeah. And then you had a motorcycle. So I was, like, a little asshole on it. Like, it's like a dirt bike that could just go on the street. So I was, like, riding upstairs, like, doing jumps in the street. Whoa. <laughs> like, nothing, like, actually, like, dangerous where, like, people were around, but... Um, Good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, no, like, it was only, like, in, like, parks and whatever, and, like, I like to live by the motto, leave stuff, like, the way you found it, so, like, never, like, litter, or, like, try to make a mess, or, like, try to ruin something, like, if you're at the <laughs> beach, don't take shells, you know, so I'd always, like, try to be respectful, folks. Clean. Uh, yeah. Parkour motorcycling. Pretty much. Jesus. 
So I was doing that, would go into like logging trails, and like that was pretty much the extent to when I, to what I got out. Mm -hmm. uh, and then after that, I sold well, both my bikes, so then I, I also had an R6 uh, after like three months of having that bike. You're 17 and a half at that point? Yeah. Jesus. Horrible idea. Do not get an R6 at, do not get a 600 at, you, wait till you're 20. Okay. Cause and learn how to drive uh, a manual transmission motorcycle first. Yeah. Uh, spend time with people who are experienced, ride on the back of some. Yeah. Maybe get your license if you're in a place. It's kind of an okay idea. Take a course if you can't afford it. I never did it. Talk but... to us. Yeah. <laughs> get some Get some pointers. Yeah, like, but, like, that bike was maxing around, like, 260 kilometers an hour. Nice. And, <laughs> no, not really. And, like, my dumbass would go 260. Mm-hmm. Because I love the rush of it. Mm -hmm. But, like, after, like, someone caught me on their dash cam, reported me to the police, and, like, my, I wasn't living at home at the time. I was living in, like, a place different. So, but my license was still pulled up to, like, my parents' home, so the police came, and I was like, yeah, this is, like, a good reminder. I need to sell this fucking bike and, like, mm. just stay on, like, a DRZ or something because, like, although it's stupid, like, that I'm, like, doing jumps and running up, like, curbs and whatnot, like, max I'm doing is, like, 15K when I'm doing that. So, like, I'm not actually in any, like, danger. Worst that will happen is I'm going to break my arm or something. Yeah, well, we don't want to think about the worst that happens or we won't ride stuff. Exactly. You <laughs> <laughs> can think of some crazy miracles of things that can go wrong and suck. Yeah. Okay, so the pandemic sucked. I was worried about it at the first part of it, and it it was confusing, like, just all the information coming out and information from people, information from nurses, so it was a little bit isolating, but I just didn't believe in it at all, really. And yeah. by April, May... March, April, only May, I was like, I'm fucking out. I'm going on a trip, and I don't care what people say. I'm going to isolate myself in a car, I guess, and go to a, my brother's. Yeah. Yeah. Out in Victoria, actually. Sick. Yes. Um, that's where I did some biking around and yeah. things. But for you, you spent maybe the six months, and then you went to Banff. And then I went to Banff. Why did you go to Banff? Because I wanted to snowboard. And Banff is a lot affordable, more affordable than Whistler. Yeah. Because Whistler, like, I was paying 7000 Canadian for a two-bedroom apartment. So we had 10 people in that two-bedroom apartment. Wow. And it was an hour outside of Whistler. So we had to take, like, an hour bus. That is so mental. Yeah, well, every, they, like, why the hell would you, uh, like, rent out to a bunch of ski bums when you could rent out to on Airbnb for like a thousand a night easily in like prime season. Yes. You, uh, we drive the price up. We want to be there. Everyone yeah. wanted to be there. We pay the money and exactly as long as it's okay to have the 10 or 12 people in the place or you just make them all leave when there's any inspections. Yeah. Fuck. So after that, uh, I moved to Banff because it was cheaper. Uh, there's still decent skiing out there. You're done school. I'm done school. I've, I finished, like, before I left Whistler at uh, yeah. 17. Yeah. So I went out to Banff. Uh, there, did not party at all. Snowboarded every day. You wanted to snowboard. Like, just how did you find that you wanted to do that? So I, I've been snowboarding for, like, 10 years now. Since, okay. Or since I was, like, 10-ish. Yeah. Uh, always loved to snowboard. I was, like, pissed off at myself or Whistler for not snowboarding. 
So then I went out to Banff, got like 45 days on the mountain, uh, and then on December 20th... How is that in the season? 45 days? 45 days. So that was every day. Uh, so it started in like November like 15th-ish, mm-hmm. and I broke my arm er, a little bit before then. Uh, <coughs> and then I broke my arm on uh, December 24th. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christmas Eve. Yeah, Christmas Eve. We were having like a huge barbecue. I was like just snowboarding around the park, warming up. Uh, and I tried to like 360 off of like this like feature and like I would like my feet went up instead of like staying flat yeah. So I just landed straight on my ass and broke this arm. Wow. Yeah, so was really depressed for like the rest of the season even once my cast came off I didn't snowboard at all. Yeah um, Do you find so snowboarding you get drawn to it because maybe it takes uh, You get focused again. I get focused on it uh, it's also just, like, there's a social aspect to snowboarding when you're out snowboarding. Like, if you live in Banff, like, y'all know, like, a hundred different people who are, like, on the mountain at different times. So you always have someone different to ride with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also just love being out in the wilderness. Like, going backcountry snowboarding is amazing because, mm-hmm. like, just the snow, like, pretty much dampens all the sound. Everything's silent. Yes. And it's, it's just... Really silent. Yeah. Super silent. It's just you, maybe a couple friends. Uh, maybe you'll have, like, a party out in the backcountry. Like, build a jump with them. Yeah. Uh, what? So what... Uh, you broke your arm. You got noticeably, like, more sad than you wanted to. Just yeah. Well, I went from snowboarding depressed. every day with like a bunch of friends to literally sitting uh and then i also got laid off from my work Mm -hmm. so i asked to move down to part-time from full-time and then the same day they were like yeah we're done uh with all the part-timers you guys are all going to one or you guys are all uh getting laid off so i was on ei had like no job and i was just like depressed with like my arm like Mm -hmm. just sat inside smoking weed every day Mm. Um, that is something that a lot of teenagers do. Yeah. I went through that phase, too. Just like, ah, smoke again. Ah, we'll smoke. You want to smoke right now? Ah, it's like 11 in the morning. Ah, sure. <laughs> Let's try. I don't think it's horrible for everyone, but for me, it's not the most productive. I do like to smoke. I say the majority. Yeah, for the majority. I know people who can function really well. Me too. I am not one of those persons. <laughs> me too. So, I really like to... Like, I like to smoke at night when, like, I've finished all my work for the day. I've done literally everything, and I don't have to worry about anything. Yeah. But even then, I wasn't doing that. At least when I was there, I got, like, a certification in computer networking. Okay. So, technically, I'm certified in computer networking. Okay. What is networking? That's internet? Yeah, like, the internet, like, setting up, like, the Wi-Fi to all work with each other setting it up so my computer and your computer will have like the same file uh making sure like no bad person's trying to get into the internet sweet yeah so got that got a bit of an education that at least and then after that i moved back home in may started saving up for this trip how you had lost your job so what job did you have uh i was on ei okay yeah yeah chilling on ei saving yeah, pretty much. Uh, and then once I got back to Victoria, I made a bunch of money with crypto as well. Yeah, uh, good. <laughs> yeah, 
was decent. Uh, and then I, in November or September, I was like, I'm going to Japan this season. Like, this is like the number one thing I want to do. Still really want to do it, but like they weren't opening up any visas because of COVID. Yes. So I bought a, a season's pass to Whistler and I was like, I'm just going to do another season in Whistler. Got in like a really shitty apartment there in Whistler and I was like, I am not living here. And this was before the season even started. And then I turned 19 and the day I turned 19, I was like, fuck, I got to leave Canada, man. I'm wasting my life here. Like Whoa. having like a young, <laughs> like an early life crisis. Dude. And I booked like a one-way ticket to Guatemala. <laughs> okay. Now this is getting finally into a space where like we're on the same, or we were in the same continent the whole time. But yeah. like this is almost like meeting up and linking up to how you're here now. Exactly. Which I love you. I heard a story of this guy who uh, Asian-looking, and he grew up. He he didn't like his parents. He wanted to leave. He yeah. left at 14. He went to Europe. He was backpacking Europe at 14 and then at like 16, 18 was sick of life or like was like yeah. there's nothing else out there that's crazy enough for me and then saw this poster this is from a Joe Rogan podcast is it uh, Asian guy, artist yeah yeah the dude who painted for Facebook and then like maybe uh, it's David Choi David Choi yeah Choi I, I, Cheong I, David Chung. yeah he painted for, like, he's an artist, and he painted for Facebook, and he got the option to get paid in cash or Facebook stock options. Mm. He picked Facebook stock options and, like, is now worth, like, over $150 million. Mm -hmm. I listened to a couple of his podcasts yeah. and a couple of his stories and really big, like, super creative, super weirdo and yeah. doesn't care what people think and is like, I will not care what people think and I will do the weirdest things. Yeah, the dude's a weirdo and I love it. So you reminded me of him at 19 you're freaking out because man you might freak out again at 25 you might freak out again at 30 you oh I, I think people I their will. first time is like 40 maybe yeah oh my god i'm 40 years old i've been wasting my life and it's maybe cool that you feel that way so early maybe maybe certainly developing into an interesting character gaining a lot of experience going yeah. through a lot of stresses all right so loving skiing going to Going over to Banff, like, fulfilling that dream, being full of exercise, then accidents happen, and then sometimes we get more depressed than we hope. Yeah. Back Happens to, to everyone. Back to Whistler, after saving money on, we people call it the Dole in Ireland, or uh, Hoagie, maybe in uh, the States, uh, EI, Employment Insurance in Canada, where you make minimum wage, and if you're living with your mom, heck, like, you can save money. And then you move to Whistler? I moved to Whistler for a month, was trying to find, like, a good apartment. Mm -hmm. I moved in November. So you're just mulling around the, the city. Uh, how do you... Where did you live while you were looking for a place? Uh, like, I stay... I found a place, uh, and I was like, I'm only going to stay here for a month, uh, and if I can't find another place, I'm going to, like, leave. So I couldn't find another place because it gets filled up to, like, the brim in, like, Whistler. Like, even though you're sharing with other people, you're, like... It's still filled to the brim, like, completely. Um, so I couldn't find a place, so... And then I had, like, at 19, I was like, I gotta get the fuck out of Canada. Because okay. I wanted to travel for, like, the longest time ever since COVID hit. And I was like, eh, this is my time. Sweet. So, booked a flight to Guatemala. How are the parents at this point? Uh, they don't care. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Because they're used to you. 
They're used to me. It's I'm, been three years. My mom backpacked at 19 as well, like all over Europe. Okay. So she like, and I just did Vietnam like at 16. I did Chile at 16 as well, but my mom was at least in Chile. We can't, <clears throat> we can't undermine like when your mom was 19, yeah. I'm assuming, man, no smartphone. No smartphone, maps. nothing. You just like talk to people more. Yeah. And that's intimidating for us people who talk to people on the phone all day. 100%. It's probably more, or it was equal, and it's just like, you didn't know a lot, and like, you could get more taken. Taken. Yeah, like... So, shout out to your mom, <laughs> traveling at 19, and my mom too. Uh, maybe, ah, 21 or something, after nursing. Yeah, like, it was, for her, like, she was telling me, she's like, I'd meet, like, people I loved, and, like, I couldn't even have, like, a way to contact them, because, like, no one's got a cellular or anything like that. Yeah. Like, and they were like, we just had to hope that we would, like, meet up with them again. Yeah. I try to do that on purpose now. I try to be like, you know what, let's just, like, I'll see ya. Like, let's <sighs> do this. I do that, but at the same time... It's not as reliable. It's not as reliable. But it helps you let go of all, every single connection. Like, your friends' lists just keep getting bigger and more contacts. And we're not even humanly able to keep in touch with all these people oh, online and not at all like i think i have like a little bit of a balance so like i'll add everyone on instagram and then I'll, like i'll like go on instagram stories or whatever or like i'll post on my story be like who's in the city i'm in or like see if anyone's in the same town yes uh but like i usually won't like text someone like be like hey man how's it going like if i'm not there like even my friends back home i barely message hmm Sucks, but like... Shout out to the friends back home, love you. Yeah. <laughs> Still... Love you, Brody, love you, Hayden, but... <laughs> you shape... You shaped us. You yeah. shaped me. I think of you, though... I think being on the phone here to talk to you there, and you being on the phone there to talk to me here, is a waste of our time. I, I think, agree. I think we... I'd rather give attention to you, or I'd rather give attention to the people here. Exactly. Learn Spanish and fucking learn how to talk to people. And then once you do get back home, you get to meet up with them. You have, like, an, an insane amount of stories to tell them. Mm -hmm. uh, you get to see exactly what they've been doing the entire time. And it's very, like, for me, because I've been living away from Victoria for, like, two years, you do lose some friends, but at the same time, you still keep those friends. No bridges are burnt. Exactly. You're not burning bridges, but... You're not walking those bridges anymore, and they're not telling you that the bridge is there. And by that, I mean, they're not like, hey... You're around, you're alive. Yeah. And then one day they might come to your head, or not. Exactly. Which I'm okay with. What's going on in Guatemala, you said? Yeah, so I went to Guatemala because I thought it would be cheaper than Mexico. Sure. So, got there, and everyone's like, no, this is way more expensive than Mexico. Huh. Was there for, like, three weeks, and I spent, like, 1500 US dollars. I was like, man, I gotta get the fuck out of Guatemala. Like, I'm spending a bunch of money here. Yeah, you're 19, and what are you looking for? Uh, I was just looking for an adventure. Yeah. That's pretty much what I'm always looking for. Like, Okay. What does an adventure mean to you? Uh, there's a bunch of different things. Could be volunteering at a hostel. Could be staying with like a family in Vietnam. Could be train surfing across Mexico. Mm -hmm. Could be hitchhiking. Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of different adventures, but like generally off the beaten track where you're getting to like know either locals or like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to hear you talk about it. Because it's cool. I want to hear from your mind and your, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I guess sure. I have figured out from, from myself, like, what an adventure might mean. Adventure might mean 
if you plan too much, you don't adventure as much. I don't plan. If you don't, and the very art of not knowing and that fear is the very place you need to go to have an adventure, exactly. to learn how to deal with things in a moment, and to end up in situations you never know you would. Yeah. It's very counterintuitive, or it's very counter to what people are like, what are you doing? How do I get a hold of you? What is this all about? Yeah. And um, you enter with the idea of I don't know, and you continue to move, continue to do things, yeah. continue not to be too stagnant, and you are forced into brand new situations. Adventure. Exactly. <laughs> like It could be as small as something as like you meet some local and you go out for a beer with them. In like some it's camp. amazing. Literally, like, might just be a small day adventure, but like, it's it will be like one of the best days you'll forever remember. I met two German guys, two German brothers in uh, El Salvador, in Guatemala. Two same guys. Yeah, yeah, same guys in El Salvador and Guatemala. Uh, and they, what they did is they would go out, they'd leave their phone at the hostel, and they'd only rely on like people to try to get around. So like, they, cool. yeah. So like, you had to talk to everyone, like try to figure out like how the fuck to get back to your hostel. Yeah, helps you improve your Spanish a bunch, and like then you get to meet a bunch of people. Um, so like that's one of the things I love to do nowadays, or like at least try not to look at my phone, mm-hmm. uh, even if I do just have it there just in case. Mm-hmm. So. What did you spend all your money on in Guatemala? Alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you're 19 and you want to party. I want to party. I want to I do some partying. What does partying mean to you? Eh, it could be a rave. could be just... Rave? What does a rave mean to you? Music festival. Sick. Yeah, doing some ecstasy. Nice. <laughs> Sometimes. I don't know. In Guatemala, I went to, like, this rave. So, uh, <laughs> it was... Like, uh, we were on this uh, lake called Lake Attiland. Cool. Um, and from one side of the lake to the other, like, so we were on, like, uh, the complete opposite side of the lake from where the festival was, so, like, a boat would take you there. Yes. So I did ecstasy there. Sorry, Mom. Please don't listen <laughs> to this. <laughs> um, so I did ecstasy there, and then, like, it was, like, starting to wear out, so I went, like, to the bar and asked, like, some people, um, like who were working there and like a lot like this dude dressed as like a lad was like I have all the ecstasy and I was like just tripping and I was like this is amazing fucking ended up taking like some speed was up for like two days whoa uh yeah I don't know how to describe speed it's some sort of meth yeah it's uh mixed feelings I, I don't like it I tried it in Croatia yeah I don't see what the hype's all about and yeah. MDMA it's a little bit cheating like the 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 good dopamine stuff that it releases forces out is in your brain and then you can like when you're having a genuine time you can release it and let that be yeah. your gauge of what's having a good time because i get more lovey and i don't think i need to be i think i'm like so lovey and i'm saying these things to people like way offside lovely like hey i just really appreciated you like this whole time it's been like two hours with the person and i just think that's a little over the top it is i don't I'm already a bit over the top nice. I'd know someone for two hours that'd be like, hey, I already appreciate so much like that. I can just like lean on you uh, here at this rave. I'm having a dope time. And exactly. Then swag back some beer. Hit yeah. the dance floor? What are we doing? Yeah, like for me, I try to stay away from most drugs. Like that was my first time doing Molly in like two years or something because 
it, like if I do it like more than like two, three days in a row, it'll make me super depressed mm. for like a month and it's just not worth it. And I'm happy as it is. Like I don't need drugs to make me happy. So it's a good place to be. Yeah. So from there, I went, uh, like I was just dying. I had to take a boat back. I fucking hate boats. Like I can't bring this up enough. I fucking hate boats. I love boats, but I hate getting seasick. Ugh. That's what that's what bothers you. Yeah, yeah. So like I'm on there and like some dude's like telling me he's like stick a finger in your ear, it'll not make in one ear it will make you not seasick and I'm just doing everything I can. Yeah. Um You gotta catch it before it happens. Yeah. So like the entire trip back I have like one finger in my ear. Yeah. Uh and it's like six AM, sun's rising. Um and then I was just up for like the next two days and couldn't sleep. Couldn't sleep. Grabbed out my laptop, and there's this YouTuber I really like named Shy, S-H-I-E-Y, or E-I-Y, um, and he basically just train surfs across Europe, and he was the one who actually gave me, like, the idea to train surf. Yes. So. That's how I wanted to talk to you. As soon as you said train surf, I'm like, yeah. what the hell are you talking about? And, uh. People call it train hopping. Train hopping. Train surfing. hopping. Yeah. Bunch of different names for it. I think yeah. train surfing kind of sounds cool. So. I think it's the coolest. Yeah. Out of those three. Yeah. So I saw that and I was like, man. Partying in Guatemala, but you want to spend less money? I want to spend less money. So like after that, I'm like, I need to get the fuck out of Guatemala. So I'm like, El Salvador is just south of here. Might as well go down to El Salvador. Mm-hmm. So I caught a bus down to El Salvador. Um, How's the price relative to Guatemala? So much cheaper. Really? Yeah. So Guatemala, why is Guatemala more I was than in a Mexico? Place. Okay. Because it, I swear it would be less than... I would have thought so too. It's it's around the same prices as here. Because this is the first time I was in Mexico. I was just hearing that from other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I went down to El Salvador uh, and was just chilling by the beach there. I was hitchhiking like everywhere. Um because like you stick your thumb up there first second car coming by just picks you up cool and it's like de donde vas or donde vas yeah and I'm like perfect <laughs> like so I just hop around from beach to beach and it was just a great time there spending like no money because I'm not drinking or anything uh, you took some time off drinking yeah like purposely I, yeah wow. so I'll usually do like a week or two of just getting drunk every day <laughs> And then after that, I'll have, like, a month of sobriety. Neat. You know, yeah. I just did my first month of sobriety nice. ever you, since uh, I was drinking beer since I was 14. Yeah, exactly. 28 now, and I literally had not done a month. And that's today. And I'm going to have a you. beer <laughs> later. Yeah, I'll have a beer with you. Sweet. Um, so, like, I'll take, like, a month off or whatever, go really hard for a week, take a month off, mm-hmm. just generally how I work. Uh, do you, so does that come from your body and what it wants to do, or is that just you listening to advice of people? M- what my body wants. Like, nice. after, like, I love to party like anyone else, but after, like, a week, I'm, like, dead, and I'm, like, man, I just want to chill on a beach like not talk to other humans just vibe out meditate on the beach like maybe hitchhike around meet a couple locals and that's about it like yeah what uh god damn i was never at this level like to i've only gotten in touch or wanting to be listening to my body in like the last two three years maybe what 
kind of meditating. Uh, you actually meditate? Yeah, I like. I don't think like I do a certain type of meditating. I usually will just like chill on a beach for like thirty minutes, uh, just like back up, like uh, straight back, and like closed eyes, hearing only like the waves, and just paying only attention to like my breath, and just I don't really have like. A real meditation. I'd like to learn how to actually like meditate, mm-hmm. but I think it's like a way of meditating where. Sounds cool. Sounds yeah. like you're taking time for yourself, chilling in a place to like. Do you feel like you feel inside of yourself? Like you feel uh, sorenesses inside, or you? I I wouldn't say I'm like listen to your mind or try to let go like of your that. mind. Like I try more to slow down my thoughts because, like I said, my thoughts are always racing. Like I have like twenty different things I'm always thinking of. Like yeah. Like, even right now, I'm like, am I going to train surf to, to pack? Like, what am I going to do next? You know what I mean? Uh, no, I've never been in your mind. No, okay, but I yeah. like uh, people who, and people who identify with ADD. Yeah. Something like that. I'm diagnosed. I believe so. they're just very smart people who think faster than us, and we don't understand them because they think faster than us. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't I think- actually think it's fucking brilliant. I yeah. think... They're hard to maybe manage, like, energy-wise. They'll be, yeah, it's a little bit, like, but stop thinking of yourself, asshole, telling that guy he needs to slow down. No, dude, yeah. he's, like, I don't know, just a candle burning twice as bright, or I believe people just think faster. And though you can't identify on one thing, you have more thoughts in a moment. And I've yeah. had a lot of girls and guys be like, hey, you think a lot, don't you? And I'm like, well, what do you do? Yeah, I like. Yeah, I've thought this all through. I've just wanted to. This is, I can't help it. Yeah, like also like even if I'm done meditating, like I love to just chill on the beach, just like think to myself or like talk out loud to myself, like. Really. Yeah, like it gives you like some insight, like. Holy you, shit! You can fit. You can, like sometimes confront problems. You're like. Well, like, I kind of feel empty or whatever. Like, why am I feeling this way? What can I start doing to, like, try to help it? And, like, just taking some time to yourself like that. Talking out loud. Yeah. Talking out loud or in my head. Depends on where I am. Like, if I'm, like, on a beach completely alone, maybe be talking out loud. Yeah. Uh, It depends, but... Do you sing? No. Okay. Just checking. That's really forward to... I guess I haven't been in touch with my body to want to chill and talk to myself. Though, uh, I've done some thinking for myself, and I think myself out of, like, problems with relationships or problems with stresses in other countries, and I've come up with some stuff and naturally done things that meditators do or yogis do, though not at that depth, because I'm not spending time looking at myself so intensely. But I think it's dope that you would talk to yourself or would just sit there to take time to yourself, not trying to like chase the next consuming thing. Yeah. Like any dopamine ringing uh, podcast, video game, fuck video games are like, well, I'm glad I stopped in a way. Um, they're they're kind of hard to stop. They're really intriguing, very dopamine bringing yeah. music, stuff like that. If you can just sit there with yourself, that's what a lot of people need to do. Yeah, like, for me, I only started doing this, like... Just try. Like, yeah, probably this trip, like, I just started doing this, and, like, before I had ups and downs in my life, like, I went through, like, six months where I was, like, just depressed, like, didn't even want to get out of bed or anything, Mm -hmm. um, 
and like I was just trying to like push all my thoughts to the side and I was like no just like fuck my thoughts like and then I realized you do actually need to talk them out like and it also helps talking with other people like that I still need to get a lot more comfortable with talking to other people about my thoughts yeah. but talking to myself I've became a lot a lot more comfortable cool that that's pretty self-aware that's pretty and we go through some wild changes i think yeah as teenagers oh for sure with the upbeats of our testosterone yeah and that brings us through some gnarly waves like the teenage time for a lot of girls and guys i think is really wavy oh yeah it's really challenging for a lot of people like even my like my little sister right now She's, like, developing an eating disorder and stuff. And, like, my older sister was, like, depressed. I was depressed at, like, 14. Like, everyone goes through something. And it's, it keeps coming, my friend. It keeps Just on coming for sure. Oh, I know. Like the stresses, I think, is an uphill. And then that's what only makes life more and more progressive. As stress goes up and pain continues, that's the only way we make it relevant that life is fun. Yeah. If it didn't continue being harder, it wouldn't have any extra reward and we wouldn't want to continue rewarding ourselves 100 and, and gaining so when you talked about dopamine um sorry when you talked about being depressed and going yeah. in a big low uh though i think when teen when we're teenagers there is some fucking crazy things we really can't get a hold of and we are growing and yeah. like these are growing pains that's almost like a growing depression 100 oh, yeah and i think that's going to come still for you oh yeah till like 25 i guess like even yesterday i was on like the so i i train surfed from mexicali all the way down to i can't remember the name of the town here Let me how many it. kilometers is this over like 900 yeah so train surfing is hopping on a train and riding it yeah trains go around countries exactly so i went from up here in mexicali all the way to there hermosillo yeah hermosillo do you uh, speak no, spanish not hermosillo i made it to hermosillo then i went down here guaymas yeah guaymas. i don't know how you pronounce it guaymas guaymas do you speak spanish un poco y tú poco si yo necesito aprender español porque yo citizen de chileno oh si so you need to learn Spanish because you're a citizen of Chile. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so you speak French? No. Do you? Okay. Yes. Damn. My parents put me in French immersion. Good for them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Probably hated them at the time, but it's... no, no. We were so young. Kindergarten. Oh. Kindergarten yeah. in it, and then uh, the brothers backed out, but I continued. I was the eight out of eighty-eight in our graduating class in Golden, British Columbia, where Sick. it's super small yep. graduating classes. But there was only eight of us that spoke French out of eighty-eight, so one eleventh. Damn. Yeah. yeah. Okay, tell me about train surfing. So, well, did you? I we'll, we'll maybe get back to Guatemala and yeah, we went yeah. after and how that ties together. I'm excited to hear about like some any shit. So my train surfing like. Like I said, I've been watching, like, that uh, shy guy on YouTube. I've seen some people on YouTube, and it's just mental. Like, the scenarios they go through, and yeah. how badass they look, and <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, so I saw him on YouTube, and I was like, man, I really want to start train surfing. Like, in L.A., I was, like, looking at... Uh, so I flew to L.A. from Colombia, um, and I was like... I didn't think I would like the U.S. I thought I, was, I wasn't planning on going at all. 
and then I was like, I actually like the U.S. I want to like travel around. I have friends around the U.S. I'd like to go see, but it's expensive to fly around, and I wanted to train surf, and then so I just did some research online. Watched some guys on YouTube, the Yard Boys, I think it was called, mm -hmm. who were trying to do it from uh, West Coast to East Coast. And I was like, that looks like fun. Uh, but then they got arrested, and I was like, I don't want to get banned from the U.S. just yet. Yes. I still want to do that trip, but <laughs> when I'm okay with getting banned from the U.S. Yes, just in case. Just in case. I don't think I'd get banned. Yes. Uh, so then I was like, so then I started to research, and I was like, where else can I start train surfing? Yeah. Uh, so then I looked up Mexico because I was like, yeah, Mexico, I can just pay off the police like yeah. 100 bucks, whatever, and I'll be fine. Oh, yeah. Maybe even less, dude. Like oh, 20. They 10, don't care. 10, 20. Oh, yeah. No. So like I saw a guy named. That takes the danger out of it. <laughs> it's not cool anymore. Pack it up. <laughs> just so kidding. they care a bit. Like I had people like yelling at me. But so I looked up on YouTube like Mexico and I saw this dude run out on rails. I think his YouTube name is called. Yeah. Check him out. Really cool. Shout out. Shout out to him. Um, and he did like a trip all across Mexico train surfing. He's done all across the US as well. And like that's where I saw the US from as well. Mm -hmm. um, so then I was like, Mexico looks a lot chiller. Like I've always wanted to train surf. Um, flights are like $200, so might as well just train surf down the Pacific Coast because I want to start surfing. Um, so I started like doing a bunch of research. He has a video of like the exact same trip I did, so I started like watching it. Um, and then from there, I looked up like Mexicali train watching, so I'd see like people watching trains and like train watching. Yeah, so train watching is just like a group, like a community of people who like just like to watch trains and like like trains okay yeah not really my cup of tea didn't know but there's a big community out there so Sick. i watched this dude on youtube and uh i was able to geolocate on uh google street view exactly where he was watching trains from nice so i knew exactly where to go and like right where my train was leaving from and then i looked up the uh like what do you call it the route of like the train and where it was heading yes uh because it's all like public information on it. Cool. And I was like, this looks very achievable. I did not take into account how far it would be though. Okay. That's the one thing <laughs> I did not look into. I was, he was like, oh, it's gonna be like a 22 hour journey. And I was going like one town farther than him. And I was like, eh, whatever, I'll be fine. Like 30 hours, like done worse. Yes. So from there, after that, uh, I left my parents in Los Angeles there, my mom in Los Angeles and my family, and I went down to uh, San Diego, crossed the border to Tijuana. Mm -hmm. uh, I was going to try to get like onto the, into Mexicali, but it was like already like 5 p.m. by the time I got to Tijuana, mm -hmm. and there was no more buses going to Mexicali. So I stayed in Tijuana for the night uh, at some hostel. And Paris Hostel? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's the only one. Yeah, fuck that hostel. Yeah. I don't like it. I didn't mind it. It wasn't horrible, but it's so expensive for what it is, I find. I think that, yeah, they're capitalizing because they're the only people. And they're just a touch cheaper than a hotel. Yeah. And, yeah, it's not that... It's right on the American border. It's, like, exactly. got to be expensive. Same with here, like... A little bit. Yeah, they're the only ones. So from there, the next morning at, like... I was like, 
dreading getting out of bed. I was like, man, I just need as much sleep as possible. So like, I caught the 1140 bus and it said it'd be two hours on Google Maps. Arrived in Mexicali at like five. So it was like a six hour journey over there. Okay. Um, and then from there, uh, I looked up on like Google Maps, like exactly where to go. Cause I had like the yard. You're just like train hopping. You're just spending your time. Sorry, uh, train surfing. So that was... I just... You got nothing to do except for get on a train. And you're, like, studying how to get on a train. Yeah, so that was all on bus that I did. Yeah. And then I got to Mexicali at, like, 5. And I was, like, starving. Uh, There was, like, a Walmart right beside. And then I heard, like, a train coming, so I started, like, running there. Turns out it was, like, a different train. It was Union Pacific, which is, like, a different freight line. And, like, I started running there, and the dude's, like, just... Like, shaking his fingers, like, you're not getting on my train, buddy. And I was like, I literally couldn't care less. I won't get on your train if, I, if this was my train. Yeah. Uh, so I went into Walmart, got a bunch of supplies that I needed, a bunch of water. 5 p.m. It's probably sunsetting now, 6.37. Yeah, so it starts sunsetting at, like, 7. So, like, after I got all my stuff, bought some, like, fried chicken in Walmart, was eating that on the street, like, just waiting, um... You're ready to go. Yeah, no, you like... You knew what train to catch? I knew exactly which train I was catching because it was only going to head south yeah. from there. And it was Ferromax, so it was one line. Had to be on, like, that one train. There was no other train options. So from there, I waited out in t- uh, until, like, 7, and it was, like, getting dark. I was like, in- after 9, I'm going to go to a hotel. But, like, all the cheap hotels had gotten fully booked out. out and I was like... Because it was like 60 US dollars And I'm a broke son of a bitch mm-hmm. So after that I was like I went into a restaurant I, Like it got dark and I was like I don't really want to be hanging out outside uh, In Mexico by myself At like night So I went Like into the restaurant that I was just sitting Outside of Got like a 7 up there for like 2.5 dollars So fucking expensive uh, and I was just waiting to hear, like, the train because it would make, like, a honking noise as it was leaving. And, like, I was like, man, I'm not going to catch this train. The restaurant's closing at 10. If the train's not here by the 10, I'm just going to bite the bullet, stay at a hotel. And then at, like, 8, 9, 8 p.m., I heard, like, the honking, and I was like, oh, shit. So I, like, quickly just grabbed on my bag and, like, started running out of the restaurant and, like, tried to hop onto the train. Like, and then, then I saw it. I was like, yes, it's Pharaoh Max. It's my right train. Um, so from there, like, uh, I like tried to get on like at first and it was moving super fast. So I like fell over. (laughs) So I got on and I just like jumped onto the train and like, was like swinging with my feet until I got like a decent grip and climbed overboard. Um, and there was like, how fast do you think the train was moving? Probably like 30 K an hour. No way. 20 K. No, 20. Yeah. Well, how fast can you run as people? Like. So 15, I, 12k an hour maybe we can run or something? Yeah. 15k an hour? I'm not too sure. I, I suck at telling speeds, granted. Yeah, especially with a big train. With a big train, when it's going by, that's all you're seeing, so you don't really have anything to compare it to. Yes. So I jumped back on, was like swinging from my feet, and like, just threw my bag in, threw in all my food. Um, there was an open cart? Yeah, yeah. So Classic. It was a bunch of open carts at like the front. I was around... Four carts back from the locomotive. The locomotive is just what pulls the train. Yeah. So from there, uh, I jumped in, and it was just a bunch of scrap metal. Okay. So, and I, like, 
there was a per there was two people in front of me and like the cart in front of me and there was a homeless student with cart behind me. No way. Yeah. I populated. Yeah. So like, I was the only one in my cart and I was just trying to stay away from everyone just in case because it like these trains aren't safe at all. Like. Okay. Yeah, it's maybe fair game and maybe the culture is people who are down on their luck and want are desperate. Yeah, I think it's people who are down on their luck. I think it's also a bunch of immigrants who have fleed from like bad situations like Venezuela and whatnot. So I jumped on that train and like going from Mexicali, which is from my knowledge like the hottest place in Mexico. Is this, it? This desert and the hottest place in Mexico, hottest city in Mexico, and you're right north and then you're just going to everywhere, really. If you're well, no, it's going to it's this... It's going directly south. ...kind of central east coast. No, yeah. sorry, west. Central west coast of Mexico. Yeah, so it's going south throughout the desert. Um, and then from there, like, I'm, like, <laughs> fucking, like, just super pumped up. I'm, like, clapping. I'm, like, yelling. I'm, like, yes, I fucking made it on a train. Like, yeah, good. I was super ecstatic. Could not have been happier. <laughs> Uh, and, like, I'm just sitting on, like, the edge of the cart, uh, just, like, kicking my feet off, like, the side of the train. Yeah. Like, having, like, the time of my life for, like, two hours. Um, and then it reached, like, ten, um, or so. And, like, the train would, like, slow down and stop because we were still going through Mexicali. Um, and, like, I was like, oh, fuck, man. Just please no one get on my cart. Uh, ended up like surfing till like the next morning until around like 5 a.m i started getting like i set up like a bed which was like i threw my backpack down kicked a bunch of sheet metal and laid down like a blanket and that was my bed for the night mm -hmm. did you sleep no yeah yeah okay so i slept for around like four hours or so yeah uh and then i was like getting like super cold because it was getting down to like maybe like six to ten degrees because I it's a desert yeah, I get I get cold here too. Yeah, in, in a tent, like from four to six in the morning is cold. Four to uh, five to seven, four to seven yeah. in the morning is fucking cold. And then on top of that, like you also have like the breeze from the train. Yep. Uh, and I was in like, dude, <laughs> I, you slept? Yeah, so I, I slept for like four hours on a bunch of like scrap metal. Wouldn't have freaking slept a wink, like. Yeah. <laughs> the quality of the sleep. It was not a good quality. Like, my back was, like, aching and stuff. But <laughs> I slept until, like, four, and then we stopped. And I was like, why the fuck have we stopped? Like, I was like, man. Uh, and I was in the back of the cart, so I was, like, assuming that there would be more uh, air coming in from the back than there would be if I was, like, covered up straight from, like, the front. You know what I mean? Mm, no. So. The cart is moving in direction. Yeah, so it's moving in direction. Yes. Uh. Like so, and then I was at the very back. So if it's moving forward, I thought a bunch of breeze yeah. would be like coming over me, whereas like I'd be blocked by like the yes barrier if I was at the front. Yeah. So I sh so like we stopped for like two hours, uh, and the dude behind me like moved to the front. And was like that's probably a good idea. I'll probably be warmer that way. So I started like moving my stuff to the front, and I have some dude like shining the light on me. I was like, fuck, man. I'm like. <laughs> I started, like, not freaking out. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, and, like, he's like, amigo, amigo. And he's like, 
And he's just, all he says is like, Donde vas? Which means like, where are you going? Yeah. And he's like, Mexicali. And I was like, no. And then I like showed him on the map where I'm headed. And he's like, ah, oh, it's the right train. It's SWN. <laughs> and he like, he was the worker on the train. <laughs> just didn't give a single fuck. I was just trying to help me get to the right place. Super nice guy. Great. Um, what a cool system. Yeah. And then like two other guys pulled up uh, and like started like shining lights on me. Uh, they had like headlamps, so they like they peeked in and they were like, "Es no bueno in this cart or whatever," uh, and I could barely understand them. And they were like trying to get me to come with them, and I wasn't sure if I was going to get robbed or like what. But uh, I was like, "No, por favor, please just leave me alone." Yeah. Uh, and we were still stopped for like an hour, so like I could have easily just gotten taken by them if they wanted to. Yeah. Turns out they were just train surfing and they were inviting me to like where they were going. Because they literally jumped on, like, the locomotive, so the engine of the train, and were just, like, hanging out on that. Okay. Is that more comfortable? I don't know. I never went up with them. Because I didn't know what was happening, but I saw them after. Yep. I gotta go pee. Yep. Put a pin in it. I'm gonna grab a water real quick. Yep. Who knows? Yeah. It's a mystery of life. Okay, we're back. And the... We were talking about just in that morning getting moving i wanted to say like the stresses i go through with traveling and when we like do something like that the the things like oh i don't want anyone to know i'm a gringo or i don't want anyone to i just don't i want to be left alone those fears they don't like go away very fast they're they kind of last a long time and then i'm i'm just so happy time moves on and a sunrise can be there because it kind of takes my mind away from those fears that yeah pretty much we make up and we hold on to those things, though they are kind of valid, but we start to not think them as time goes on. And I'm sure like maybe along the trains you would be more and more comfortable. But when we're in those new scenarios, we're, we're really scared. Exactly, like this was my first night ever on a train, like second night in Mexico. <laughs> what makes us, what makes those new scenarios more scary? What? This is a big question, by the way. This is not even directly to you. This is yeah, my yeah. own philosophical ideas. Like, okay, so when we go to a new place, why is it that that's so scary? Why is it that going on a train is so scary? Literally, you're jumping in the meadow. Oh, because we don't know yet. You, you're fearing the unknown, I think it is. Like, I, I don't think the train itself was what was scaring me. It was the people around me. And, like... I was looking you at, made that up because the people yeah. very well around you were actually they were fine. nice guys like totally fine like the dude like literally like made sure I was on the right train and was like this is the right one to get on to nice um and like I think what really also scared me is like I was looking at the like when I was doing research on it uh they were like uh people were like this is a dangerous ass train like you have to like be like super careful mhm so like I was like, man, and also I was out in like the middle of the desert, have no cell signal, uh, like barely anyone knows where the fuck I am. Yeah. Like at least when I'm in like a city, I have people around me, but I was in the middle of the desert. Like. Yeah. I was in a tent recently yeah. with someone. It was their first time being in a tent, and really? they were very scared. Yeah. People in the city, people growing up in different places. Uh oh no. It was their second time, actually. The there was an idea that there's people there and they're gonna yeah. come kill us, and the barrier that I like that it, 
uh, I am a human and I do feel vibrations from other people or like people do yeah. affect me and I'm succumbed to advertising stuff. Uh, I was like, holy fuck, you could be right. Like, gosh, holy shit. But then I'm like, no, just like go check. And the barrier is for me like, well, that sucks if they're going to kill me. But they're literally, there's no one around that I, that I see, and they're not here killing me now. So yeah. there's no, that is not true. Exactly. It's not true. It's not true that, like, they're going to know I'm a gringo and these things are going to happen. The, the unknown, like, I guess with practice, going into the unknown more and more, we can be like, we're scared of the unknown, but we don't know anything is valid about it until it is actually truly valid. Yeah, like, exactly. When that train is actually dangerous, that's when it's dangerous. It's when not it's, dangerous until it is dangerous. You exactly. need to be scared when it is. Yeah. Uh, sure, be aware that it is. Uh, I guess when we're scared, our nerves are up and we're hearing things more. But we shouldn't hear things more negatively. We're hearing things more and seeing things more and observing more and coming up with ideas to yeah. figure out if it's dangerous. Exactly. And then when we know it's not, fucking shut the mind off. Like, I I was like, you know what? You could be right. There could be people. I'm going to go check. Because, like, if there's people and they're going to kill me, well, if I'm standing up and out of this tent, yeah. that'll be harder for them. And it's not happening until it's literally happening. And yeah. it wasn't happening. So I'm like, that's it. Yeah, like, from... Or we make it up. Like, uh, at this, I don't know where I was going with that. But at, like, the same time, just, like, the fact that, like, they, like, people started, like, the dude, or the homeless dude beside me, like, knew that I was a gringo, the dudes in front of me, like, knew I was gringo, uh, I was, like, just nervous about that, but then once we started moving, I was, like, this is completely fine, sun started rising, I think there was also something about it just being nighttime, mm -hmm. that scared the shit out of me. Yeah, man, brings me to Joe Rogan brought that up he's just like yeah humans are just more scared at night we just know and see less at night yeah. things are we're more scared at night I could barely see I was like cold I was running on like four hours of sleep yeah sleeping in like the worst place ever what makes that valuable <laughs> what, what's so good about that there's something so good about it because like first of all I don't know a single other fucking person who has ever done that trip Sweet. In person. Sweet. I felt like I was going on, like, an unmarked path, uh, at least for, like, us, like, Canadians traveling, at least. Like, cool. I, even Mexicans, like, when I was telling Mexicans about it, they were like, no, I'd never do that. Like... Yes. I felt like I was experiencing something a lot of people didn't get to experience. And, like, getting to see the sunrise in the middle of the desert, man, that's so cool. You could do it in a car. <laughs> I guess, it's but different. like in the middle of a train, or like when the train does get moving, and you have like the train's breeze, and you're standing on top of the cart, and like the sun's rising behind you. There's just something so cool about it. Okay, so tell me some like highlights of that next day. So, did you get more sleep? So I got like an hour more of sleep. Then the cart started moving, and it was like 7 a.m. Uh, I put on, like, an extra pair of jeans. I had, like, all my coats on. I was, like, freezing my ass off. So I, I took all that off because it started getting warm again mm -hmm. uh, by, like, 10 or so. And we were, like, moving. And then... Are you aware where you are at that point? So I had... When you're moving? Yeah. So I have Google Maps. 
Yeah. I don't have cellular or anything, but my GPS can still track. Yeah. And I'm basically just matching it up with, like, I had a picture of, like, the freight train yeah. route. So I was pretty much just matching it up, like... Sweet. Where yeah. I was going. So I had, I had an idea, like, where the hell I was. Sure. At least. Uh, but after that, like... At 10 or so, like, I, I was just sitting on the side of the cart, like, waving to everyone. Everyone's, like, waving back to me, being like, amigo. And then, uh... How fast do you think it's going? It would get up to, like, 60 to 70k. Okay. Uh, not too fast, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, but then, like, when it would slow down in, like, towns, like, people would start hopping on the train and start throwing all the metal they could off of it to try to steal all the metal. Wow. To sell it for scraps. Yeah. <laughs> So like shit, dude. Yeah, that's that's a problem. They wouldn't like that because that you know trains get their money to fuel their train full yeah. of gas because of the shit they haul. And then if people steal the shit you haul, you're gonna like get security yeah. and shit. So yeah, maybe exactly. the Mandalorian did that kind of sh- train heist. <laughs> so like, literally any time it stopped, there's like kids jumping on. Like, throwing all the metal. They were, like, asking me to throw the metal. It's like, man, good luck with that. But, like, I don't want any problems with this train. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there was literally, like, two guys that would hop on and, like, grab, like, 60 metal tons and just start throwing it off on both directions. Yeah. And, like, I think they just come through with a truck later at night and just start picking it all up. Gotcha. <laughs> uh... That was pretty funny, and I was, like, just waving to everyone, and, like, it started getting, like, super hot. Like, my face started, like, burning after, like, 2 p.m., because it, like, started to get, like, to, like, 32 degrees or something, like, super hot with, like, sun just shining. I had no shade anywhere. Um, And then, like, we pulled up into, like, another town, and there was, like, a bunch of security everywhere, so I'm, like, trying to hide. I'm, like, trying to peek through. Uh, Like, the window at like this other station and then basically we just kept on going for like the next day then we pulled up into Guamas yeah um and in Guamas uh it was around like I can't remember what time it was when I got there oh actually no it was exactly 826 and I had just run out of water like all my water was done and like I still had 26 hours to go like plus holy yeah so, I, like, er, I saw an OXO, which is, like, um, uh, 7-Eleven for Mexicans. Yeah. So, I went there, bought, like, four Gatorades, jumped back onto, like, the train I was on, and then, like, another train started moving up, and then I was like, okay, I'm just gonna sleep in this yard, uh, until the train starts moving. So, I was in the yard, just, uh, sleeping with, like, the covers over me. I was trying to make it look like I had nothing on me. Like, I was just, like, a homeless guy. Yeah. So, I would draw no attention to myself. And that was at 8 p.m. And I stayed there till, like, 8 a.m. And, like... Train hasn't moved? Train hadn't moved at all. Or, actually, at 3 a.m.-ish, like, another train pulled up beside me. Uh, actually, the train started pulling up beside me at, like, 12, and then at 3 a.m. it started, like, moving. So I, like, jumped into, like, the train, and I was like, nice, this one, because it was, like, the same company, and it would only go south from there. Yeah. Uh, and it started, like, moving, and then, like, so how yards work are, like, there are four different tracks all going to one track, pretty much. Yeah. 
Uh, so it would go pull up onto like the one track and then switch on to like one of the four different tracks to start like loading up and start building the train. Yeah. So it started building and I was like, ah, oh, fuck, it's just going to stop here. So I jumped off the train and I got back into my like original train that I started in uh, at like 3 a.m. ish. And then it like left and I was like, ah, oh, fuck, man, like that was my train. That was my ticket out of here. Damn it. I was going to get to, like, Los Mochos by, like, morning. I was like, this is going to be perfect. And then I should get to uh, Mazatlan. How do you say this town's name? Mazatlan. Mazatlan, yeah. So I was, I was like, I'm going to get to Mazatlan. And then by then, uh, I was going to get there, like, last night. I was going to get here. And I was like, oh, this would have been perfect. And I was, like, super pissed. And I was like, whatever, I'm just going to sleep. I'll wake up if any trains are leaving because they always honk their horns. Yeah. Uh, so, I, like, at 3 a.m., I just pulled, like, the covers over me. I started, like, trying to go to sleep. All right, let me, let me get time reference again. And, um, you, you made it to which town? Guay? Guaymas. Guaymas. And then... At 8. They, they pulled up, and you perfectly ran out of water. I per, I just ran out of water. And, like, so I sprinted to the OXO. Yeah, thinking that maybe the train would leave. Yeah. Without you. No worries. Didn't. You you stayed there from 8 to 8. Yeah, so... Now we're into the next morning. Yeah, so when I originally got to that uh, yard, it, like, I just reached the 24-hour mark of, like, my journey so far. So then I ran over, and then I slept in that yard, and I woke up to some dude, like, uh, with a bucket in my cart like grabbing scrap metal uh some homeless dude and i was like and he was like and i had like uh one of the gatorades right beside me and he's like can i have some and i was like no just because of covid or whatever like just as an excuse and then like i gave him and then he's like do you have any money so i gave him like all the coins i had probably gave him like a dollar fifty or like 30 pesos yeah um and he was like, you sleep here. And I was like, see, sí, see. Sí. And he's like, ah, it's muy peligroso, muy peligroso. Mm. And he's like, people, like, get robbed from here all the time. So then I was like, ah, oh, fuck, man. After that, uh, like, I got off that train and I just moved to, like, where, like, the train would have been leaving from. I hopped on a different train. Turned out they were just moving around, like, carts. Yeah. Uh, and that was a, that was in the middle of that night. No, that was at nine a.m. That so I okay. woke up at like eight a.m. That, that guy dude. woke you up. Yeah. Yes. To that dude scrounging metal, gave him some money. He was asking me if I had like a phone or like the time on me. I was like, no phone, no cellular, nothing. Yeah. Jumped on a train and then it didn't leave. It didn't leave. It was just like moving around other trains. And then that whole day, the other train didn't move until three a.m. the next morning. No. So. So this is actually where I stopped train surfing. Okay. So after then, I went to the yard. Like, I went to, like, right where, like, the train would have been leaving from. And I, like, just went up to one of the train station workers. And I was telling him, like, I wanted to get to Los Mochos. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And he's like, "Uh, it's super dangerous here. You should get the fuck out of here. Like, they had no problem that I was there. Mm -hmm. But, like... He was like, you should just leave here. It's super dangerous. And I was like, when's the next train leaving to here? And he's like, tomorrow. Mirda, mirda. And I was like, ah, fuck. So I was like, is there a bus station here? And he's like, yeah, like three kilometers up there. And I was like, okay, fuck it. I'm just going to bus. So I walked over to the OXO that I bought Gatorade at last night. Yeah. 
Uh, and then from there, I was just sitting outside. Last night as in from now? No, no. Okay, the night before. The night before, like, when I ran to grab Gatorade. The night Gatorade. before, the eight-hour sleep, the eight-hour chill to... Yeah. When did you talk to that guy? At, like, 10 a.m. Okay. Uh, and he's like, you should get out of here. So I ran to that OXO, and I was just sitting outside there, and I looked so rough. Some, like, truck driver came and, like, was trying to give me money. Wow. <laughs> he was like, he gave me, like, a bunch of pesos, and I was like, no, necesito, yo tengo dinero. Like, <laughs> I was like, do I look that rough right now? Maybe. <laughs> Granted, my hands were, like, covered black, like. Yes. I just, like, I ripped my, like, a piece of skin off. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this thing's going to get infected because there was a bunch of rusty metal around. Oh, God. So I just went into OXO, bought some water, washed out my hands, and, like, I talked to some dude that was just selling, like, uh, sculptures there, like, just sure. to cars. Sure. And he's like, Autobus is just out there. And I was like, eh, fuck it, man. I'm just going to catch the bus from here. So I started, like, just walking all the way up there, and it was like a three kilometers walk so like 45 minutes and by the time I got there it was like 1 p.m. ish and then I talked to like the guy and he was just saying like oh yeah like to get to uh, Mazalan like the bus was coming in an hour so I had to wait like an hour dude that's perfect because you could have missed that bus I could have missed the bus exactly it could have been another 24 hours well if it was another 24 hours I was gonna hop back on a freight Gotcha. Like, I was telling them that I was on the freight train, and they were, like, all in, like, disbelief. They were, like, what the fuck are you doing on there, gringo? <laughs> um, so I caught that bus, and it was, like, 50 U.S. dollars. I was, like, man, I should have just stayed on the train, honestly. Maybe. <laughs> but, and then I got here last night at, like, 11.30. Pulled up. Uh, I think I remember. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, like, man, I just... Like, I finally, I had some ramen, hung out, like, on the balcony, and now I'm here, so. Yeah. <laughs> that was my train surfing journey so far, but. 24-hour train surfing journey. So, uh, well, I was 24 hours on, like, surfing, and then I slept in that yard for another 12 hours. Yeah. So, like, 36 hours-ish. Yeah. And then, after that, I caught the bus for, like, Nine or ten hours, maybe. Totally. So what I mean is, like, you gonna do more of it? Are you. Yeah. So. What do you think you're gonna do better next time, or? So for next time, uh, cause the train there's a yard actually in this town that we're in, and it's going to Tepec. Okay. Uh, and then from Tepec, I want to go to Puerto Vallarta. How do you pronounce it? Uh, Puerto Vallarta. Puerto Vallarta. Puerto is like a port. Yeah. Vallarta. I think so. Puerto, Puerto Vallarta, people say. Yeah, so I think I'm going to head near Puerto Vallarta next. So I'm going to try to cat. So it's just one station, so it'll be directly straight to Tepec. Sure. Uh, so from there, I'll probably go tomorrow morning or the next morning to the station there. And then uh, hopefully be able to catch it. And by then, get to like the next station by like 12 or so. You're trying to do this adventure, why? For fun. This way. It's an experience. I'm also recording all this. Uh, I kind of want to make like a mini documentary about it. Cool. Uh, like I started recording it like right as I got to Mexicali on my GoPro, but my GoPro fell out when I was hopping on the train. Yep. So. What, uh, what would you like to share to people with the documentary? 
Oh, just like honestly, like a recap kind of thing, or it's like, more for myself, just so that I remember it in the future. I don't okay. really care if other people watch it or not. I yeah. might post it, might not. So there's not a vision. There's not of really a trying to do something for other people. No, with like the f the filming of it. No, but I do like making like films, even though I am shitty at it. Like compilations so, or cuts yeah. and. I don't know what they, what we call it, travel videos. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, like, I think it's a different side that also people haven't seen to, like, traveling. Like I said, that other dude did do surfing, but it was more, like, just, like, the train ride, and there wasn't much, like, personality or, like, his thoughts behind it. Whereas, like, me, like, I have pretty much, like, every, like, time, like, I stopped somewhere was, like, sketchy, like, right after those people pulled up on me, uh in like the morning I was like speaking to my phone like being like do you guys just pulled up to me like saying like so I recorded Probably like scared shitless I was scared shitless so like <laughs> I recorded all like I've recorded all my thoughts uh for it and everything and I think it will be like cool to look back on yeah because now that I've traveled like by a train there's just something so rewarding about it like having to wait for your train and then once you get on you're like super excited then super free too super free in cost and in free freedom i guess yeah exactly like there's just something to it so i think it would be cool to like record my first journey on a train because when i go back to canada i'm planning on doing from vancouver at least to banff and if not all the way across country and then i head to europe in june so I'm going to train surf from Barcelona all the way to, like, Eastern Europe, I think. Wow. Because, like, it's addicting. Like, once you get on a train, it's very, very addicting. Okay. Yeah. Well, so you've literally just done one train journey. Just one. Yes. Now hooked. Now I'm hooked. That's funny. Now that's like... Did you think you were going to do that already? Or so did you decide to do that recently? So I've wanted to do it for, like, two years ever since I saw that dude on YouTube. But I've never really thought about doing it in Canada or North America. I was always thinking about doing it across Europe. Yep. Because Europe, there's a lot more, like, abandoned stuff that I can go explore. Neat. Yeah, like, I love to explore, like, old abandoned stuff. Like, the number one place I wanted to go was Ukraine. Yeah. For all the old Soviet stuff. Same with Russia, but both are probably not the best idea to go right now. See if you can. By the time you're there, maybe it'll be different, but, like... See if you can. Yeah. Might I'll be less dangerous than places and <laughs> trains in Mexico. Maybe, but at least for trains in Ukraine, that's not going to work right now. Like, that's a good way to get bombed. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know how it's going over there. I haven't been on the ground. I haven't. But, like, people say things are dangerous. But, yeah, you know, people may be upset at me if I tell you to go train hop in Ukraine. But I think that'd be freaking crazy. And I, I think it'd be neat to I, do the thing that you wanted to do. And uh, probably more possible than everyone thinks. I, behind people's fears. I don't know about that. Take I, your time. That, if it gets to a better situation... But granted, like, because trains are pretty much supply lines, like, that's what Russia's going to bomb first, if they're going to bomb anything. They've already started bombing shit. So, and, like, 
the number one place I did want to go to was like Chernobyl because I have a bunch of Ukrainian friends who just sneak into Chernobyl, go hike there. It's like a seventy k hike. True. And we'll just go sneak into Chernobyl and camp out there for like three days. Is it radioactive? No, like it's pretty safe. Uh, like if you're a smoker, you have more radioactiveness than if than you're if you hang out in Chernobyl. Yeah. Interesting. Like a uh, smoker's lung is like the most radioactive thing like on this fucking planet for the most part. Like. How humans. does it build radioactivity? Uh, like the cigarette smoke uh, will build in your lungs. I don't know too much about this, but uh, generally, as long as you're not super close, uh, like it depends on how, like the nuclear. Uh, this is out of our field, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, this is out of my field completely. Maybe more research on that. Man, I'm like, but you you can walk around with like these uh, radioactive detectors, sure. so you can know like what's dangerous, where like, radioactivity is. Yeah, exactly. Holy shit! So like, if you actually go inside of like Chernobyl, like it's super radioactive, but like they built a dome around it, and like a bunch of people died building this dome, like pretty much sacrificed their life for a bunch of people mm-hmm. building it. Um, Go touch it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far, but generally outside of Chernobyl, it's super safe. Like, you get more, like, in, like, the five days, I, if you were there for, like, a week or so, you'd have way more radioactivity from, like, uh, uh, x-ray than you would from there. I would say research that. <laughs> I, I have done, okay. like, a decent amount of research. I would say research it again. New things could come out. And but then again too, what's cool is I guess radioactivity is going down yeah. since the last time maybe you looked into it. Okay, so you might have said that you've inspired people to train surf. You got anything like? Yeah. So I posted. Anything you want to say? I posted it on my Instagram uh, and my Snapchat, just like a video of me like on the train, like surfing on it, and a lot of people are asking me how I did it, and. What not? So the, I want to do what he did on the video. <laughs> I want to do ex- what he did. A lot of people are saying that. All I'm saying, I'm not going to say not to do it by any means. But if you are going to do it, do your research, find out exactly what line you're taking and like your route, and make sure you're on the right train because you don't want to end up in the middle of nowhere. Have internet, and don't do what I did and go with a friend. Like me. Someone that can keep up. Someone that can keep up. Someone that can watch out for you and you watch out for them. Because two people is a lot more intimidating than one. Yes. Definitely. You need two or more. Deal with that. Okay. Thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, thank Thanks you for, for having that. me. Appreciate what, it. Anything else you want to share? No, that's about it. Out here in Sonata. If you want to follow me on TikTok uh, and follow my journey, you can follow me at Travel with Evan. Travel with Evan. Yeah. Any spaces? Nope. All minuscule, travel with Evan if you want to see more stuff or maybe even ask questions. Yeah, go for it. I'm open Do to a bunch it. of questions. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Talk to you later, guys. Thanks for listening. <laughs>